top of the morning to you, or afternoon, or evening, whenever you may be listening. My name is Scotty. I am the host of this podcast called Chip Time, and welcome to the next episode. Today is Saturday, June 5th. Saturday's for the boys once again. It was race day for some people in the Chip Time crew. We finally have Charles on the show today, so he's been mentioned for a while. Uh, He has not been listening but this is this is how you get people to listen. You bring them on the show, and then they got to listen to see what did I say? What are the people hearing from me? So it's going to be a, a mix, as usual, of a little bit of my training, or in this case, racing, and my friends as well. And also, we're going to get into some previews. So rather than doing a single athlete spotlight for runners you need to know today, we're going to do more of a crash course to preview both the women's and men's 10,000 meters at the NCAA championships because it is quickly approaching. I can't believe it, but we are four days away from the NCAA championships. I'm getting fired up because I know right around the corner from that is the USA Olympic trials and the games will be not too long after that. So lots of power running to look forward to. But before that, I got to give a couple shout outs to my boys, a few who I gave shout outs to last time, but another shout out in store Jimmy, Jimmy did not get a shout out last time, but Jimmy getting the big shout out as well as Jake and Jared, my boys with the J names. We kicked it at B-dubs last night. And I got to say, being someone who was in the, you know, night before a race day, I ate dinner before going to the restaurant and I was just drinking water while I was there. And in a lot of social circles in my past, that's something that you're gonna get. You're gonna get some grief for. You're gonna you're gonna catch some some sly comments your way for not fully kicking it with the boys. But these dudes supportive, uh, very supportive with the results of my race too. So shout out to my dudes. And also, I'm going to address another FAQ, a frequently asked question. So last time we addressed. What is chip time? And this time we're going to address why is chip time? So why are you doing this podcast? And I'm going to answer this in a way that is not uh, not too not too much getting into my background. It's not going to be a fully fledged answer, but you know what we're gonna do for the kids back home is a nice, wholesome, SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. So I'm going to get right into why chip time is. So what are my strengths? What are my strengths that wanted to, that made me want to start hosting this podcast? I would say my strength is talking about running. Pretty short and sweet there. What are my weaknesses? Actually running. I would say that is one of my weaknesses. Not a great runner. Uh, opportunities. This one is uh, pretty easy. Get rich. Okay. I'm trying to get rich. And threats. Probably being hacked by some kind of foreign or otherworldly government out of this planet. Uh, you know, I'm really putting myself, putting my neck out there on the airwaves every day. 
And I know there are people monitoring the situation very closely, waiting for their time to pounce. So, hey, that I hope that answers your question. I gave a lot of different angles there in the SWOT analysis. That's why we're doing the show, okay? So before we get into the long-awaited interview with my good friend Charles, just a quick warning, uh, not, not a, anything you need to be really worried about, but we do talk some marathon, we do talk some of those long-distance events when your body really breaks down. For anyone who's been there, you won't be too surprised to hear anything, but just know there is some potty talk. There is a little bit of how you navigate the bathroom situation as a runner. So that is just a fair warning because we're, we're getting real people. This is real life. So I was really excited to finally connect with Charles over the microphone. Um, of course, I already knew most of his background, but you're going to hear from the man himself. So let's get to it. Saturday, race day. The squad showed up, the squad showed out on a hot, steamy, hilly Saturday. Oh, yeah. Hilly course. But we will get into a little race recap towards the end of the segment here. But we finally have Charles on the show. What's up? Charles has been, you know, mentioned as part of the squad, part of this race. Charles has not been listening to the pod yet, <laughs> but he is he is ready and having an interview, I'm sure will will motivate you. Oh yeah. A little don't bit. don't be me. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, like we said, we'll we'll save the what actually went down today at the Runs on Plants 5K and 8 mile race, but we want to get to know the man behind the tracksmith jersey a little <laughs> bit. He's he's feeling the Hobbs Kessler love right now. Uh, and, and get to know your background of getting into this sport. And I know a little bit of it already. Mm -hmm. So I think a good starting point is what kind of fitness training were you doing before running? Yeah. So growing up, I played basketball my whole life throughout high school. And funnily enough, during my sophomore year of uh, high school, our basketball coach became the cross-country coach and made us run before basketball practice, which, as you can imagine, the whole basketball team despised. So we would, like, hop in cars, you know, do anything that we could to get out of cross-country. And I was always more of a, a sprinter um, playing sports. And so that was kind of my first stint with running. But then going into college, I actually joined the powerlifting team at UT, the University of Texas at Austin. So running and cardio was the last thing that I wanted to do. Got super out of shape in that regard. But after I quit the team, it was kind of like, what's next for me? And running a marathon was always on the bucket list. And I kind of joked around with some friends and my roommates about running a marathon without training. That's how it starts. Yeah, that's how it starts. And some of them were on board. They were like, oh, I'll do it if you do it. And then I kind of just realized that if I was going to do it, I'd rather train a little bit considering I hadn't run more than five miles in probably five years. So you just got to add 21 on top of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, add in a little run walk action. But um, yeah, I decided I wanted to run a marathon and started training in the summer and fall and got into a full 
uh, training cycle in the winter and ended up running the Austin Marathon in 2020 on February 16th. Oh boy. So pretty recent as we sit here in uh, in early June of 21. So how long was the gap between that, you know, basketball and powerlifting to that initial Austin Marathon? Was that a pretty short gap of time or, or are we talking a couple of years here? Yeah, it was pretty short. So I quit the powerlifting team um, my junior year around the winter time. I just got super caught up with school and other commitments. Couldn't keep up with it. Our meets um, nationals that year wasn't going to be local. So I'd have to miss a lot of school for it. It just became too big of a commitment that I couldn't own up to. And so I quit that around the winter and during that spring and summer, I was, you know, still just lifting for fun, um, playing sports, basketball as well. And during that summer, I was actually in Phoenix interning and I started to get in, get back into a little bit of running, doing some three mile runs before work at terribly slow pace, but just getting back into it, going to the track, ripping some 200s in 100 degree weather. Love it. Yeah, so just getting getting some feelers. But um, that fall, going into the semester, I started going to the running club at school, doing some easy like three to five mile runs with them, and then started slowly increasing a long run on the weekends. Um, but yeah, I actually you know ended up getting sick that fall too, and. Uh, school got busy, so I kind of dropped off for a month or so. But like I said, once winter break rolled around, rolled around, I had more time on my hands. I committed to an eight-week training cycle and just dove straight in. So did you have any shorter distance races before this marathon? No. Just went right for the bucket list. Yeah, besides... That is a bold <laughs> strategy, Cotton. Besides that one cross-country race in high school that we had to run, this was my first real race. And how did the Austin Marathon go for you? It went really well, way better than expected. I was just just, just for the audience's sake. That is rare to hear for a first <laughs> marathon. Yeah, and especially the Austin. It's like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and the Austin is a very hilly course. Thankfully, my neighborhood had a lot of hills, so I gotta really train on that. But my goal was just to run sub four hours so around a nine minute pace and with my long runs and training i was not hitting that i was i remember my first 20 mile run was about at a 955 pace and like that felt good i was totally content with that so going into the race i had no idea what to expect i kind of just wanted to finish if i broke four hours that would have been incredible and i ended up finishing at three hours and 47 minutes at an 841 pace so it definitely blew away my expectations. I felt pretty good. Um, almost started cramping at mile 22, but managed to push through it. And it, yeah, it was a great race. That's awesome, man. And I feel like having a positive experience like that is what probably laid the breadcrumbs for wanting to continue down that marathon path. I think a lot of people who maybe either didn't adequately train or trained and just had a bad hard race experience, it it kind of deters you from wanting to go back to that marathon. Definitely. But that's sweet that you decided to stick with that and continue pressing forward. So we've had a 
little over a year since then. And what's been uh, going on in your your racing training journey since Austin? Yeah, so it was funny after that race, I kind of joked with my friends that I was never going to run again after that. <laughs> that was going to be it. When you cross but... that finish line after 26.2, like it's oh, easy yeah. to be like, waving over a wheelchair yeah i'm not i will never walk again yeah and it's like all right cross that off the bucket list like we're good there but um i don't know it was a combination of factors after that i just kept running i did a little bit of speed work so i wanted to time a mile and as we know after february 2020 shortly after that's when the pandemic hit in full swing and quarantine was happening and so i got into you know, just doing some more track workouts, shorter distance stuff. But also, um, next on the bucket list was to do an Ironman eventually at some point. So I started mixing in a little bit of swimming, um, some biking as well. But just with all of that, I kind of got back in into, you know, endurance racing and set my sights on wanting to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And Nick Bear was a huge inspiration as well. He was going into his journey to qualify for Boston, and I watched his YouTube videos a ton. Uh, shout out Nick Bear. Big if you shout ever happened to, to listen to this. He's a beast. Absolute beast. Um, but yeah, so shortly after that, I was like, I want to qualify for Boston. Um, during the summer, I started another marathon block looking to race the Houston in January, but obviously that was very uncertain with you know, quarantine still happening and the world being shut down, but I figured I would just train for it anyways. And so, yeah, that's kind of what my summer looked like. Ended up actually getting hurt and taking two months off from about August to September, which really sucked because I felt like my fitness was really good then, but. Yeah, and, and I wanted to pause there just for a minute, even though it's a difficult subject to spend time on, but injuries are part of this sport Mm -hmm. whether you're a sprinter or a marathon runner and that mental battle to climb back to the fitness you had and also cope with the fact that you're about to abandon some fitness right is a difficult journey to start and a difficult journey to make so how did you go about coming back from that injury first of all what part was it your foot that was injured yeah so it was my groin and it was a really weird injury how it happened because I was like I said getting into a marathon block I was doing about 45 to 50 miles which was the most miles that I've done in a week so per per week not in a single run yeah per week (laughs) um and so getting out the door for a casual 50 yeah no uh not yet at least (laughs) but that was the most miles that I was doing per week and I think I just did it too intensely wasn't taking easy days easy enough and I started to feel you know my groin hurt a little bit after some long runs but just kind of pushed through it and eventually after one uh, harder effort it kind of just you know felt it next time I went to go out and run I could barely get through half a mile had to walk back And so, yeah, that was really tough because I saw a lot of gains in a really short amount of time, which I was really happy with. And I got to a point where I was actually very, like, pretty confident in myself that if I were to run the Houston Marathon in January, that I could, you know, possibly qualify for Boston, which seemed so out of the reach going into it. But then that injury happened 
and really it was just focusing on what I could control and in terms of my fitness doing what I could do so that meant being on the stationary bike being in the weight room just getting everything right um, so that I could get back to running and doing what I love and going back into it you know I knew it was going to be a gradual process and ultimately like after that I knew part of the training cycle would be bringing my best self on on race day and to do that that meant managing my fatigue, not getting injured during the training cycle, staying healthy, and just being a bit smarter about the the progression and the load I was putting on my body. So good lessons I, learned. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, a difficult actual process to go through mm-hmm. because when you have to back off from running, being people who like to get out the door, put in the mileage, it's so difficult to do that cross-training that work on the bike, that core work, that strengthening work. And it's so much, I don't know if easier is the right word, but it's tempting to just want to just shut down and say, I'm just going to binge some shows, heal up, and then start from ground zero. So the fact that you took the harder way, the harder journey to continue fine-tuning some techniques and, and some fitness I feel like that set the table for for your next big marathon. Yeah, definitely. And I think just adding in, you know, strength training as well was was a big help. I made sure to include some of that in my next training cycle as well, just to keep everything clicking, keep everything feeling good, get blood flow into the legs. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, wanted to do as much as I could and to the best of my ability with the injury in mind. And just doing what what felt good at the moment and running wasn't it so absolutely so coming back from that injury coming back stronger mentally physically you ultimately entered into another marathon not Houston right which one was this yeah so un- not a surprise at all the Houston marathon got moved completely virtually so um i started training again in November coming off of the injury with my sights set on either the Eugene Oregon Marathon in April April 25th I believe or the Nashville Marathon also on that weekend and both of those ended up getting canceled but thankfully I was able to find the Wilmington North Carolina race happening in person April 17th um, so not too far off of my original race date but yeah, I was able able to send it there. And if I didn't find that race, I was just going to run a marathon time trial and on my I, own. <laughs> I was going to ask you that, like to to move race dates and OK, I thought it would be January now, maybe February or March. And, you know, to adjust your training block, you're also coming back from this injury yeah. uh, in, in the late fall. Um, ultimately, did you feel like you were able to peak for this Wilmington marathon given those logistical challenges? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the amount of time I had from November to April was a good amount. And because I'd been training for so long, really, I started in June or July of last summer in 2020. I was ready to do a race. Like I, you know, was kind of (laughs) tired of just training and putting the miles in. Um, I, basically I was ready to race, ready to test myself, see where my limits were at. And so I think from November till then, it was a good amount of time, um, as well. And it didn't feel too unnatural to shift because obviously coming off of an injury, you want to have some more time to ramp up the mileage 
get the body feeling right. So um, I had a pretty solid peak going into Wilmington. And let's hear about the race. How did the race go? Yeah, the race overall went pretty well. I'd probably give it a 7.5 out of 10. I think I ran pretty strong. Not my best race. Um, it was a roller coaster. It was a battle for sure. So starting pre-race, I think this is where I made the biggest mistake of, you know, I woke up early, a couple hours before the race, had my usual snack uh, before, a Bobo's bar and a banana. Uh, shout out Bobo's. We got some Bobo's after this race. Oh yeah. Sponsor us. Please. Um, please. Please. But I, I had a couple body armor drinks and usually before my long runs, I would, you know, get a sports drink. It was usually Gatorade. Add a little bit of salt into it for the electrolytes. Um, but I got a couple drinks, added a little bit too much salt to it. And so before the race... I'm picturing that like Salt Bay meme and oh, you're yeah. just like pouring it in there. <laughs> no, it was funny because we were at an Airbnb and we just had this... It was me and my friend at the race. And we just had this little room in a big bungalow sort of thing. And they didn't have any salt. So when we were at dinner, we just asked a random place if we could have salt. And they gave us a whole shaker and we kind of just grabbed it and, you know, used that. And so it was just sprinkled some some sea salt into my body armor. But um, that wrecked my stomach. I, you know, took a couple dumps before the race, thought I was going to be good, walked up to the start line and I felt it, felt it coming again and was like, oh, no. And so... During the race, I ended up taking two dumps at mile eight, mile 16, and my stomach was just fish bowling at, the at entire sanctioned, time. At sanctioned bathroom locations. Yes, correct. They were in porta potties. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to be clear. But yeah, I felt, you know, all the liquid sloshing around in my stomach too when I was running. So that was a big mental battle there. And I started off the race pretty well. I was hitting the paces that I wanted around a 7.10, 7.15, I think, uh, according to my watch. And um, once I got to around mile eight and took that first dump, coming out of it, I was just feeling like I was already starting to burn out a little bit. Miles eight through 12, uh, the pace slowed down a bit. I kind of started to worry, like, man, am I already hitting the wall here? Um, but I was able to kind of hold it through until mile 16 and then, you know, stop to take another dump then. And I don't know what happened after that, but I felt like I just got superpowers and the last 10 miles were the best 10 miles of my race. My last mile, I was my fastest mile of the race period. And I don't know, I just, usually people hit a wall around mile 20, but I felt, go, I felt pretty strong going into that point and, I was able to close out the race uh, really well. So that was a big mental battle there. And I, I really felt like I was able to salvage it and finish on, on a good day. So. And what was your final time? My final time was three hours and 16 minutes at a 7.29 pace. That is pretty insane. I mean, you gave it a 7.5 out of 10, probably for those nutritional challenges and whatnot. <laughs> yep. But cutting a half hour off of a marathon running over a minute per mile faster i mean that is the stuff of legends right there and that shows that you're in that next echelon of you know stepping on the the doorstep of potentially being a boston qualifier yeah i so appreciate it that's that's hype going in and the work is not done yet the, it is the not. journey is just beginning we are young men we have the future the future is ours and looking forward, what are your, your future race plans looking like? Yeah, so 
after again after my Austin marathon, I set myself on the the goal to qualify for Boston, and I Austin, didn't do that. Austin to Boston, exactly. I didn't do that at Wilmington, so the goal is still the same. You know, the job's not done. So I'm still hoping to qualify for the Boston at the Indianapolis Marathon, November 6th, this upcoming year. That's my city. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. That is pretty incredible. That's encouraging for me being someone who did hit the wall at mile 20, although I didn't stop and need to use the bathroom at all. <laughs> but that's uh, that just shows that if you put in the right training beyond just the miles but the supplemental stuff like you were talking about mm -hmm. trusting in your nutrition your strength training working in some cross training in the pool i mean there are there are no limits to yeah. what you can do so that is awesome to hear switching gears to the present to today we had two different races we had a 5k and an eight mile race uh we're at indian springs metro park and it is a uh, it's it's known for its eight mile loop, and so that was probably the main race. But a couple people like myself jumped in the five k, and we can talk a little bit about the race today. I know for for you this was more of just uh, a training effort, right? Not an all out race. But how did you feel just getting out here and your first time running at this park? Yeah, it felt pretty good. I The park's incredible. It has great views, a great path, like Scotty mentioned, an eight-mile loop. So that was perfect. It was really, really enjoyable and getting out and running in the morning. Um, the weather, it was a little hot today, but, you know, it felt pretty good at the start. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the park and really enjoyed the race. That's awesome, man. I uh, can't say fully the same story for me. <laughs> that 5K was interesting. I knew it would be a rust buster. I hadn't run 5K in two years. Um, you never know how your, your training is going to peak you. And, and also just footwear wise, am, am I wearing the right shoes? But I got to say overall, very positive experience just to get out here to, you know, just to put the uh, the wheels on and, and see what I could do. And ultimately, how my race shaped up, I gave a little preview in the last episode of what I hoped to do. And I mentioned that I'm notorious for running like 540, 610, 610. <laughs> so my splits today were, I went out in a 548, which was the exact um which was the exact game plan for me to go a little slower than 540 and i was not able to hold on to that pace i slowed down to a 613 and then ultimately closed in a 625 so it ends the last quarter mile or so up a hill it's a very gradual climb and my my legs were just uh they were shot at that point you you kind of know mentally if you don't have another gear and I, I just didn't have one. So total time of 1917. We missed the A goal. We missed the B goal. But we were within 30 seconds of the B goal. So it wasn't a terrible race. And overall, just a great community of people here. Yeah. Just getting to, to talk to some of the other runners. Shout out to Jason, winner of the 5K. Um, got to talk shop with him. Kind of his background, marathon training, and, and what he's doing now. Um, he actually talking a little of how the race unfolded. So I led this thing through about probably like 2.7, uh, maybe not quite that much, maybe like two and a half miles. And 
Whereas I started fast and got slower and slower, he ran even splits. He, he split like 603, 606, 607. Wow. And that's the way to do it. Had I known that was going to happen, I would have <laughs> run with him. Yeah. But great guy to talk to. Um, and, and really, like I said, these events, when, when I ended the last episode, I took a deep breath and I said, this is just for fun. This yeah. isn't serious. This isn't, there's so much going on in the world that actually is serious that everyone today who started this race, who finished this race, they're winners. Yeah. You know, there, there's not just one winner for the 5k, one winner for the eight mile and uh, and everyone else is is hanging their heads. This was a cool community experience. In person running is back. We got bobo bars. We got oh, some yeah. sweet t-shirts. There's like a running carrot and banana for <laughs> for the runs on plants. Five uh, k eight mile here. And man, it just felt good to be back in like the real life running community. I mean, Strava's great. Strava kept me motivated during the quarantine last year. But like when you are in person getting to talk to fellow runners. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Any day you get a race is a good day. You know, the the community aspect that Scotty just mentioned, everyone's so encouraging as, you know, you run past them or just see them, like all the volunteers that help out. It's it's incredible. So I love it, man. Day. And in the results, it had our elapsed time and our chip time. So, hey, they're, uh, they're low-key plugging the podcast. They, <laughs> they, they don't even know it. True. But, man, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed cooling down with you. That was our first time actually, like, running together. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there will be a lot more. Yeah. Um, I will be consulting you whenever I go back to my marathon training, <laughs> which won't be this year. But I will say, after running that 5K today, 5K is a young man's distance. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting a little long in the tooth. I ran a pretty decent half marathon last year. I took the dub on that one. And I'm starting to think half marathon to full marathon is my calling. Do it, so man. I'm thinking this, you hear it here first. I mean, this is, this is first initial thoughts for me. I think this fall I might transition to another half marathon and then we'll, yeah. we'll see, we'll see where the Lord takes me from there. Yeah. If, if he has me going back <laughs> to a full Dude, so come to the dark side. I think I see will you, see you in Boston. I, oh baby, I, I'm gonna need to, to work on the fitness before that. But I'm also excited to try some different shoes. Yeah. Um, I, I did wear the DS trainer today. I did think that was the correct decision to switch from that racing flat. When I got tired, my legs got tight. I would have probably fallen off even worse without that energy return. So I think in the future. I want to get some better shoes. We were just talking shop on how much shoe tech has advanced in the last two years. Oh, yeah. Um, Jason was wearing the Nike Next Percent Zoom X, and and that's like one of the most popular (laughs) marathon shoes right now. You got the Alpha Fly, um, Mike, who ran the 8-mile as well. Shout out Mike for getting second place in the 8-mile race. I should have mentioned that earlier. (laughs) He wore the Saucony Endorphin Speed. And man, there are so many just great shoes out there right oh, now yeah. that I'm actually leaving this event excited for future training, for trying out new shoes and and seeing where my limits are. Yep. I ran my marathon in the next percents and yeah, it's just as everyone says, they're incredible. And 
I know they just dropped the second version of those in time for the Olympics this summer, so I'm sure a lot of runners will be rocking them then, but it'll be it'll be cool to see the battle of the carbon fiber plate shoes this summer in, in the Olympics. Can't wait, man. I am incredibly stoked for the Olympics. That, that's no surprise to anyone. So right now, we got our races we're training for. We got NCAA Nationals next week. We got the Olympic trials after that, Olympic Games the month after that. So much to be excited about in the running community. And like I said, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Even just for your uh, you know easy training run. And we'll have you back for, for training and back on the show. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks a ton, Scotty. And great race. Appreciate it. You too. Another absolute legend, another uh, powerhouse guest here on the program. And hey, I warned you about the potty talk. You knew it was coming. And everyone experiences that at some point, whether it's a training run or not. But it was so fun today just having organized running back. Um, I apologize if in my closing comments, either now or at the end of the show, I repeat myself at all, but just such a positive experience having the community back together in person doing what we love because as much as events tried to be held last year virtually, uh, we love Strava, of course, but there's nothing like being together, clapping for each other as you cross the finish line and getting some some cool swag, nice drawstring, drawstring bag and the shirt, the shirt we mentioned, pretty sick. So we're going to switch gears now to a little NCAA talk. We are four days away from the start of national championships and on the distance side of things, there is only one championship race on day one. It is the 10,000 meters. I would have to check the schedule. My apologies for not doing this already. I'm not sure if it is both the men's and the women's on Wednesday, June 9th, or if the women's is June 10th, but I know the men's 10K for sure is June 9th, and we have a handful of men and women doing the 10K, 5K double, which takes some guts. Being someone who just ran a 5K today and my legs feel absolutely cooked, I can't imagine doubling in another distance event, especially doing the first one being the longer of the two, getting 10,000 meters of championship racing on your legs. So, hey, ladies first. We're going to start with the ladies here. And here's what we're going to do. So similar to the 5,000 meter men's fantasy draft that Mike and I did a couple days ago, I'm going to run through the spark notes of a couple runners uh, from this field. And then what's a little different since it's me in a solo effort here, I'm going to give you my my top five, my uh, fave five for those classic uh, T-Mobile users from back in the day. Uh, So I'm going to give you who I think are going to finish one through five in that order in the men's and women's 10K, and we'll see how I do. I've never really called my shot like this before, but um, I will say since we're starting with the women's race, 
it is a little top heavy. It's not the deepest of fields, but there are some names we need to go through. So top seed time, Mercy Chilanga, Alabama, reigning cross country national champion. She's also going to be doubling with the 5,000 meters. I feel like we've talked about her at all. She is on an absolute tear this year. The next name I'm going to bring up is Abby Wheeler, senior from Providence. She's been pretty darn strong on the track. She was an All-American 5,000-meter indoor runner this year. And the next one, the freshman, Grace Forbes. So freshman eligibility, sophomore overall. She ran cross and indoor last year. Of course, there was no indoor nationals or outdoor season, but Grace Forbes for Rice University has been on an absolute tear and in the in one of the sound running track meets that they had during the collegiate outdoor season she went sub 3230 so she's putting down some fast 10k times and i believe she also put down a 414 1500 meter time working on that closing speed and i'm scrolling up here it does not look like grace forbes is doubling so she is going all in on the 5k the next name to bring up is Carmela Baez of Oregon. She is also a pretty decorated runner. Uh, she's a senior. She's been around the block for a while. And she, she's been a pretty consistent runner this year. Hasn't really had any duds. But unlike Grace Forbes, doesn't quite have the 1,500 meter wheels. She has a PR of 422 in that event. Next one to briefly shout out, Amanda Vestry of Syracuse. She was the second place finisher in the ACC Cross Country Championships this year, defeating Hannah Steelman, who I, of course, am very high on on this program, and finishing only behind Dominique Claremont, who was a surprising non-qualifier in the 10K and the 5K, but she did contest both at regionals. Next up, and here's one we need to pause on for a second, Katie Izzo of Arkansas. Katie Izzo has had an extremely decorated career. All-American, cross-country, indoor, outdoor, you name it, 3K, 5K, 10K. She's really done it all, and the reason I'm pausing is she has not had the most electric outdoor season. She was on fire on the indoor oval going into SEC championships, and that is when the villain Joyce Camelli outkicked her in both the 3K and the 5K, and we just haven't seen her, Izzo that is, being that title contender since that happened. Now, to give her credit, she still was an All-American indoor but I just, I, I had her on, you know, the echelon of a title contender, and now she's more in that, like, fringe all-American territory. But the reason I pause there is to say, this is an incredibly talented runner, and for anyone to get to the position she is at right now takes an incredible amount of training and execution. Just a few more names here before we move into my selections. Poppy Tank from Utah, she has had, she's a senior as well. Again, experience, execution, never really has had a bad race. She was an All-American in cross country this year. So that shows that she's got the range both on the track and the grass. 
And next one I'm going to uh, point out is Kaylee Logue of Iowa State. She is the back-to-back-to-back Big 12 cross-country champion. Unfortunately, didn't have the greatest of races uh, in the national meet this year, but she has been um, uber consistent and had a decorated career herself. And just a few more. We're getting close. I want to give a shout out to a few Big Ten runners. So first, from the University of Michigan, we have Jesse Larson, who I can't tell you too much about because all I know from her, uh, from what I've heard, is she has not contested this event very much. So it was a little bit of a surprise, both that she was going to contest this event at the regional meet, and I guess you could say even a bigger surprise that she qualified. I mean, that is extremely impressive to make it through in an event you're not too familiar with, especially this 25-lap affair, which your boy here ran 5K this year, and that was a mental battle. So, geez, doing that on the same oval 25 times uh, for twice the distance I raced today, that is something fierce. The other two Big Ten names, uh, one of them admittedly is not in the Big Ten anymore. Abby Nichols of Colorado, she's a senior. She used to run for Ohio State. She was a fringe All-American in cross country in 2019 for the Buckeyes, finishing 45th, or maybe it was 41st. I remember she was just outside of All-American status, but she's been crushing it for Colorado, and I really like senior experience in the 10,000. I really like senior experience. So the last two to point out here are both Michigan State Spartans. We have India Johnson and Lindsey Graham, both seniors. And let me tell you, the seniors from Michigan State get it done. Both of them near the top 10 in the Big Ten cross-country championships. Um, I believe Johnson was fourth, Graham was 11th, and both were All-Americans on the national stage. I I feel like Michigan State is one of those programs with their uh, with their distance runners where they progress every single year. And so when you see that SR senior under their year of eligibility, you know that these runners are primed to run their best. So here we go. Time for me to make my picks. Time for me to put my money where my mouth is. Starting with the fifth position, I'm going with Katie Izzo, Okay. It's tough because I haven't seen the consistency this season, but when I looked through the list, I just said, you know what, we got to pick some firepower here. I'm going to go Izzo. Next up in the fourth position, I'm going to go with Utah's Poppy Tank. She looked very smooth in the regional rounds, and like I said, cross-country All-American. She is. She seems to be at the level of fitness in 2021 that we would want from an All-American. Next up, honestly, the top three I don't think are too hard to predict. I could be very wrong. These races could transpire very differently than I think, but I'm going with Carmela Baez, number three. Um, Just from what we've seen on the consistency on the oval from her, so a few runners I'm giving some kudos for cross-country, But Baez, we've really seen consistency on the oval, and I'm going to award that with my third position. 
Silver medal, I'm giving it to Grace Forbes based on the raw fitness. Even though she is a freshman eligibility outdoor track runner, I think the, the level of talent is high enough that she can hold down a pace that most women in this field cannot. And at the number one position, this should be a surprise to no one. I'm going with Mercy Chilangot. All right, I'm going with the reigning cross-country national champion. She looked great in the regional round as well and wasn't giving 100%. She did what she needed to win her heat. And I don't think anyone can keep up with her if she really wants to ratchet that pace down. So lock it in, people. Lock it in. Those are my picks for the women's 10,000 meters, which is in a couple days. So switching gears here, okay? Switching to the men's 10,000 meters. In my opinion, this is a deeper field. Oh my goodness. And, And just to get you warmed up a little bit, let me drop a nugget on you. There are two men in this field who were undefeated in the 2019 cross-country season. How is that possible? Well, neither of them are Division II runners, so that theory is out the window. Thanks for playing. Here's what happened. We have two runners, Edwin Kurgat and Aaron Bienenfield, Kurgat of Iowa State, Bienenfeld of Cincinnati, and here's what happened. Aaron Bienenfeld of Cincinnati runs for the American Conference, and he won every single regular season meet that he contested, including the American Conference Championships. And then he went to run at the German like U-20 cross-country championships instead of the national championships. Edwin Kurgat, on the other hand, I mean, he's, he was the national champion, he won Nuttycomb, like he won the big meets and all of his regular season meets too. So by all means, his undefeated resume that year, more impressive, but it still is uh, an interesting nugget when you can drop that on people. So we have multiple men in this field who are also doubling with the 5,000 meters. We have Alex Masai of Hofstra, who I mentioned I think I mentioned him in our other uh, preview. He, he's the kind of guy who likes to time trial these things. He likes to run fast from the gun, similar to Wesley Kiptu, but uh, hasn't quite finished as high as Kiptu on bigger stages. Speaking of which, Wesley Kiptu is in this field, as is Robert Brandt of Georgetown. I mentioned those Big East guys. They're sneaky. We also have... Um, Let's see, Patrick Deaver is doing the 5K, 10K double of Tulsa. We have Eric Hamer of Colorado State, Charles Hicks of Stanford, and James Mora of Gonzaga, all doing the 5K, 10K double. So that is a dirty double. I can't imagine doing that. But I want to highlight a few names before making my predictions Let's start with Adrian Wildshoot of Florida State. He was second place at the NCAA Cross Country Championships this year. He was the ACC champion indoors and out. And this guy, he runs aggressive paces, but he knows his limits. He, similar to what I mentioned with Kip too, I've never seen him really blow up and have a bad race. 
He's a transfer formerly of Coastal Carolina, and with the Seminoles, he's just gone to another level. The next name I want to bring up is, let's see as I scroll down here, Connor Mance. Oh my gosh. So I got some questions after the the last episode. Why aren't you talking about Connor Mance in the 5K preview? That is because he is not running the 5K. He's going all in on the 10,000 meters. So Connor Mance of BYU was this year's cross-country national champion. He has a great mustache, by the way, like a Prefontaine-level mustache. And in one of the sound running track meets earlier this year, he ran the 10K with a very impressive sub-28 mark. And he finished within a second of the school record. And first I heard that and I was like, oh man, like that's, that's really impressive that he got so close to that mark. And what makes it even more just like, oh, I wish Connor got that is the record is held by Ed Eyestone, the coach of the BYU men's team. So I was joking around saying like, Ed was probably like, Connor, Connor, ease up, buddy. Just, just stride through the last hundred here so he could keep his record couple more names to point out besides the aforementioned doublers. Uh, we have John Dressel of Colorado, senior. And if I know anything about Colorado seniors, similar to Michigan State, this is a program that gets their runners to peak at the right time. Mark Wetmore has been coaching forever there. He's been at Colorado longer than Ron Warhurst was at Michigan. Mark Wetmore is the GOAT. I think there's there's no disputing that. He's been coaching Jenny Simpson to all of her post-collegiate success. And, and I have not said this on this program yet. Quick sidebar. I don't think anyone will ever break Jenny Simpson's 1,500-meter collegiate record. I don't think it's ever going down. So shout out Mark Wetmore. And the last name I want to bring up before my predictions is... Abdi Nur of Northern Arizona. He has freshman eligibility, similar to Grace Forbes, based on how the season shook out last year. And in, I believe it was the Fresno State Bulldog Invitational earlier this outdoor season, NAU set up a time trial where Nico Young paced Abdi Nur and Blaze Farrow through 6K of a 10K. And those dudes both went sub-28, which was absolutely nuts. And Blaze Farrow actually scratched from the regional 10,000 meters. I don't know why. I don't know if he was injured. I've heard some murmurs that, oh, maybe he held out for the U.S. Olympic trials. I got to push back on that one. You know, great to see a sub-28 effort from him. That is extremely impressive. But there's dudes like Grant Fisher running 27-11. So I don't think that was the move there. Okay, so getting into my selections, and I should mention both with the women's race and this men's race, many athletes who were not brought up are incredible runners. Okay, so I didn't bring up everybody for the sake of time. Just wanted to give you a few names to look for. So into my predictions. In the fifth spot, I'm going with Abdi Nur, 
who I just brought up, okay? He looked insanely good and insanely talented in that event, but my hesitation for not putting him higher is just because that was a time trial. So when you have a teammate who's pacing you through a prescribed um, pace for a certain amount of distance, you know that this is your coach's game plan, that you can hang with it, your coach wouldn't have you do this if you couldn't keep up with the pace, and then ultimately, even when that teammate steps off the track, you just keep the train rolling. But in the regional round, I didn't see as much pep in Abdiner's step, and I think he still has the talent to finish even higher than fifth, but I'm going to cap him there conservatively in my predictions here. Number four, I'm going with Robert Brandt of Georgetown, okay? He's got the experience. He's been an All-American. I picked him as like an honorable mention in our 5K preview, and I do think the 10,000 is his better of the two events, and it is the first of the two events. So Robert Brandt, both for his experience, also at the Sound Running track meet in December, I believe he went 27-39, finishing just behind Wesley Kiptu. So he's got the 10,000 meter talent. He's run 339 for 1,500 meters this year. He's got the foot speed, and I feel like fourth is a good slot for him. Number three, I'm going with Wesley Kiptu, and I got to be honest, it's a little bit risky to have him this low because the dude has been absolutely on fire this year. One thing I didn't mention when we brought him up on the 5K preview is he tripled at Big 12 Championships this year. He went 5K, 10K steeplechase, dub, 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 okay? Playing a little dub, dub goose. And like I said, when he goes out as fast as he does, if there's no one who can hang with him, it's going to be an interesting ride. But to somewhat spoil my next two picks, I'm going with the last two NCAA cross-country champions. I just Maybe I'm biased to the grass, but I couldn't put these guys any lower. So, ooh, who did I pick first, Connor Mance or Edwin Kurgat? Well, I put Edwin Kurgat at number two, and it was such a difficult decision because... He is, both of these men are purposefully and intentionally not contesting the 5K to go all in on this event. So I know they're going to be sharp and ready to go, but I'm going Kurgat number two. I'm going with Mance and the mustache number one. I believe, I think he can do it. Um, I don't think it's going to be a fast enough pace to go for Ed Eyestone's record for BYU, but I would love to see Connor Mance get another national title to his name. So those are those are my predictions, people. They are set in stone. Come at me with your pitchforks if I'm wrong. But thank you for, for, for listening to that part of the show. I hope I am getting, drumming up just a little bit of NCAA interest. I'm laying the breadcrumbs there. So as we close up here, just a couple things on my mind. Uh, to to say again from today's race, um, 5K distance is for me. It's gone in the blink of an eye, 
it used to feel so long when I was in high school. And it's just, it's really wild to train for something for a while and get on the line and start racing. And before you know it, you're halfway through the race and, and, and then you're struggling to, to finish. And, and like I said, even though I didn't hit my goals, it felt so good to have the running community back. I'm excited to continue training to get some new gear. I'm very excited about the footwear and I'm really excited to race again. There will be more races on the horizon and I feel like footwear, it's a small tweak that could have a big impact and with tweaking my training, that's a big tweak that might only have a marginal impact, but it is still worth making. So two final shout outs as we close out. I just have to mention, I'm not going to dive into it, but shout out to Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr ran 331 in the 1500 meters at the Stumptown Twilight Meet in Portland. That is the fastest all-time 1500 meter race on U.S. soil. Um, Josh Kerr is not an American. He speaks the Queen's English out in Great Britain, but absolutely monster time. Josh Kerr is younger than me. I think he's like 23. Um, so keep an eye on him come Olympics. I would expect Timothy Chariot of Kenya to still be the favorite, but Josh Kerr coming in hot. Craig Angles, who knows, maybe Hobbs Kessler. Um, 1500 is going to be sick at the Olympics. And the very last shout out I have, again, is for you, the audience. I just want to shout out everyone who has reached out to me, either saying just that they like the show or especially those who have said, um, thank you for doing this show. It's gotten me wanting to train again. It has gotten me to want to run again. And that's what we're doing this for. We're just trying to build the running community through another platform. And if I can make a small difference to motivate you to, I don't know if inspire is the right word. Uh, that's, that's all we're trying to do. So thank you so much for listening. And my challenge to you is if you like this show, tell a friend, tell one friend. So anyways, I know this is a slightly longer episode, but thank you for the support on my race. Thank you for listening through the NCAA previews. Keep working hard and we'll see you next time. Thank you.